0: Hey folks, we'll talk to Nick Lutzko here in just a second, but did you know the average American has 97 points? They can add to their credit score and have no idea how to get those damn points? Well, ScoreMaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. Forget raising your credit score just a few points. The average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. 61 points, I follow my credit score every damn day. And 61 points is just unheard of. Say your credit score was in the high 500s to the mid 600s when you bought that new car. If you'd gone to ScoreMaster first and raised your credit score just the average 61 points our listeners get, you could have saved nine grand on your car loan. And if you own a business, you know how essential great credit is, from getting a loan to funding projects to financing equipment. Go to ScoreMaster first and see how super boosting your business credit score can save you a fortune. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks, and roll in minutes and see how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Visit ScoreMaster.com offer. ScoreMaster.com offer. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is The Bob Zeska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital it is wednesday October 14 2020 and this is the interview edition of the bob seska show on the sexy liberal podcast network my guest today is one of my favorite indie musicians and one of my favorite satirists the great nick lutzko is here today if you've been listening to my show recently you've probably heard his rnc dan bongino song or his incredibly funny boat parade song Two of the funniest damn things I've ever seen online, but Nick is also a serious songwriter and performer. Not only recording albums of his own, but he also does regular work for Netflix and College Humor. Links in the description for everything. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreoncom slash show. Okay, here comes the inimitable Nick. Let's go. It looks like you're keeping busy during the pandemic. I mean, beyond all the music writing and, and work you do on, on Twitter and so on, Spotify, how are you holding up in all of this with the pandemic and the isolation? I mean, I, I worry about this with all indie musicians that I know. I mean, how are you able to make ends meet given that you can't tour and do all the normal things that you would do? as an independent recording artist.
2: Yeah. Well, I have been really lucky in that. Um, I mean, I do, I do perform and I do, you know, release like singles and albums and whatnot, but that Mm. isn't where I get my primary income. I do a lot of freelance work for companies like Netflix and college humor. And, um, I've been lucky in that, that work hasn't totally dried up during the pandemic, especially for like, um, for like Netflix. so I, I do um, Netflix Junior, like kids songs for them. And um, that's that, great. that all exists on social. So it's almost like uh, with everyone locked indoors, there's almost more of a need for more content. Oh, that's and outstanding. I'm kind of lucky that I can do all that remote. I don't need to be in a certain city and I don't need to be working with other people. I can kind of just do that in my little lab and push those out fairly quickly. So I've been lucky in that regard. Um, and I'm also lucky that I have a wonderful wife and three cats
0: that are, have kept me. <laughs> That's, That's so cool. Yes, yeah, so and we've all been treated to your uh, wonderful house. That looks like it's got some sort of <laughs> sauna in the basement, plus there's a, uh, looks like some kind of golem living under the stairs. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so right. it seems like a nice place. Specifically, tell me about your kids' show. Does that involve, I assume, the puppets as well, or is there a satirical edge to it? Tell me about the, uh, the Netflix deal.
2: No, ironically, it's strictly just kind of like a day job way to make, you know, it's just, it's just, the, I, I write this, they'll reach out, they say they want a song about brushing your teeth, or um, confidence, or gratitude, or any of those things, and I'll produce a song, and then they'll do animation, and they will really set on their socials, it is funny that I have all these puppets, and these puppet, like, people in my band but that stuff is not <laughs> there's really no crossover with the kid stuff um right the way that that kind of came about for my uh live show is um i've been uh, uh pursuing music full time for about a decade mm-hmm. and uh the first two records i did i didn't have a band i just played all the instruments and produced everything myself and when it came time to start thinking about performing live um i had these puppets that i had made in college for fun. And the first music video that I made, um, I decided to use those hand puppets as my backing band Mm -hmm. in the music video. And, um, by the time I actually did put together a band, it was just this kind of, it was like, it was a part of the aesthetic of the group. It was like, why don't we try to bring, uh, this world that we've created for the music videos to life in the live show by having like these puppet, like, Creatures, And it's just kind of a way to add a surreal, absurd aspect to the music that I think has kind of lived on through some of the co- comedy stuff. As you've mentioned, like the man in the stairs and things like that. I'm always yeah. kind of trying to uh, get things a little weird and dark whenever I had the opportunity
0: and and you succeed <laughs> a thousand percent <laughs> you succeed It's so great. I mean in fact your live show and the, the stuff that I've seen on YouTube Reminds me a little of uh, the Flaming Lips their live show. I mean, it's got awesome. the yeah. puppets the costumes the unpredictability You put on a legitimate show. I mean, it's a big deal that's actually fun to watch. Uh, It doesn't seem uh, tortured. Again, it seems effortless. Like, so much of your work, irrespective of whether it's live or the the comedy material, required, all of your work seems like it's just breezy for you. I know it's not really that way, but that's how it comes off. What's the ratio for, like, a live show? What's the ratio of planning versus uh, spontaneity uh, for one of your typical gigs?
2: Oh, man, well... Firstly, I appreciate all the kind words. That's that's super nice. Um, yeah, it's a great question. So um, we had a really big show in my hometown in Chattanooga um, towards the end of October, I guess almost exactly a year ago, um, for the, the release of my newest record, Swords. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was months of preparation. We had giant puppets built. We had um, this local dance troupe called the Pop-Up Project uh, doing choreography and... Um, We had, like, we the the shows are very theatrical, and we tried to just kind of, you know, obviously the music is top priority, that everything is uh, performed well and is entertaining, but we also kind of, like, want to deliver on the visual aspect, and it's funny you mentioned Flaming Lips, that's a great um, example of the kind of show that we strive Mm -hmm. to put on, but um yeah, I mean, there's definitely so much preparation, but then, also, when you're uh, like there, there's not much of a budget going into putting, it, like it's all homemade and thrown together and it's not like we can afford to pay. Uh, like the, that that show we did for Halloween, we had like um, the UTC marching brass come up and that was like 20 <laughs> so awesome. horn players come up and then we have the 15 dancers come up and then we had like, so it's like we're asking everyone to kind of donate their time. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely like a lot of components that are very kind of like, thrown together on the spot and a lot of improvisational performance.
0: Yeah. um, Which is
2: great. Yeah. It's, it's fun to have that kind of um, mixture of the extremely rehearsed with the Impromptu.
0: Yeah, th- there's something that's extra appealing about doing kind of a high concept, fun, weird show and having it come off as seeming as if you just put it together in the parking lot outside, you know, yeah, and yeah. how did you end up going back to the puppets? I mean, how did you end up landing on puppets as kind of being part of your thing?
2: Yeah, so I had the puppets, I mean, this is so, it's it's just funny how, like, inconsequential it was at the time, but um, <laughs> I was in college, yeah. I was like a sophomore, sophomore in college, and um, uh, the it was 2011, the Muppets, the, like, kind of Muppets reboot had just come out.
0: Oh, yeah, with Jason Segel, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, with Jason Segel, and I um, loved it, and I think it was almost just kind of, it, it reminded me how much I loved the Muppets as a kid, mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, me. It's just it's just so funny to think of what your average college student is doing with their time. It's, me, me, oh, and my yeah. roommates uh, went to Hobby Lobby and bought a bunch of puppet supplies and stayed up and made puppets and shot dumb comedy videos with them. And they are just these things that I had. Mm-hmm. So like when it came time to shoot that first music video and I didn't have a band, I was like, okay, I can grab this puppet and put him on guitar, and then this puppet can play the drums. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I it, yeah, it was and also um that first record that I did some. Someone reviewing it wrote that it sounded like uh uh pee wee Herman hosting the Beatles at his playhouse or something yeah yeah like i loved I love that imagery, and I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to lean into that aspect mm-hmm. of just like um what uh, a rock band would feel like in that world of Wee's playhouse
0: yeah yeah oh my god and it, it just takes so much effort though to put together a puppet and i i only know this because i i recently did an alex jones puppet show for oh, uh stephanie miller's sexy liberal tour but i actually ended up modding just a, a religious puppet i bought on amazon <laughs> that happened to look yeah. like i mean it's just all kinds of sacrilege going on there i'm buying like a a Joseph, the father of Christ. I'm buying that <laughs> puppet and then modding yeah. it to look like Alex Jones. But you build your puppets from scratch, which is a hell of a project. I mean, what's the what's the process? I mean, do you do sketches? Do you plan out where you want to go? Or do you just buy a bunch of materials and start uh, hot glue gunning them together?
2: Yeah, definitely the latter. I've always kind of referred to it as like pump, punk rock puppetry because I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing. I cannot That's perform great. my instrument well. I yeah. Just, yeah, get out the hot glue gun and I just get to work until something slightly resembles something and they fall apart so easily and to be totally honest in, in the earliest days yeah i was making them all myself but i've kind of got to the point now where i actually like hire i i can i kind of help brainstorm like the the concept and the design and then i hire professionals to actually execute and that's why they've the the caliber of a lot of the work is advanced and also my bass player who goes by greasy rick um it's mm-hmm. really funny to kind of look at what that early prototype for what his costume was versus what it is now because he's just he's a really brilliant artist and has taken it and just made it so much better than what I had done originally. Yeah,
0: that's one of my favorite costumes in the band nice. is, is your bass player's right. costume. There's something about it that perfectly fits the look of you know, what a bass player would look like as a puppet. Well, how would you describe that? Like, human-sized puppets or puppet costumes? I don't or- even
2: know. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, like, I kind of go back and forth between, it. because it started as as puppetry, but now when they're in the costumes, they're not technically puppets anymore, so it's just, like, a creature costumes. I don't even know what to call it, but, <laughs> but he, yeah, as, he especially just has this talent to, um, he brings that character to life. Like, he looks, he doesn't look like a guy in a costume, he looks like a creature. And that's just mm-hmm. a testament of how he kind of embodies that character. It's just really
0: brilliant. It's almost inconceivable to imagine that there's a, a gigantic audience for this in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I mean, is it? Tell us about uh, living in Chattanooga and uh, playing this music live. It, there's, seems like there's just as big an audience for this kind of uh, sort of, I don't even know how to exactly describe the genre. I mean, your music defies genre, um, but there's clearly an appetite for it in Chattanooga, right?
2: yeah um i mean i i think uh the way that we kind of try to um uh keep people's attention is Mm we we try to just do one big show a year or maybe a couple yeah um maybe one smaller show earlier in the year and then one really big one and a a big part of that is it's not sustainable for the the size of the production it's we couldn't play every week but Mm -hmm. Well, we, we try to space out the shows that way people are always, you know, it's, it feels like it's not, Oh, we could catch them any weekend. It's like, it's a, it, you, 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 can't miss it. Like it's, this it doesn't happen that often. And, yeah. um, we always try to do something a little different and something a little more extravagant, which really gets hard to, mm. to continue over time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's I mean, uh, it's it's kind of sad in that like the the show we did for the album release in Chattanooga was kind of like the prototype for what we wanted to kind of take on the road. And we, mm-hmm. we booked the biggest venue in Chattanooga. I mean, I'm sure there's bigger venues, but the, it's uh, it's it's a venue called the Signal, and it's like the it's pro- probably like a 1500 capacity. And um, uh, yeah, we just tried to go as big as we possibly could, and we got all the the video shot of it. And the goal was to kind of like package that up and try to take that on the road this year. And then the pandemic hit early this year and Mm -hmm. kind of foiled those plans, which um, kind of forced the pivot of the the Twitter stuff I've been doing.
0: Is the uh, limited number of shows, is that a consequence of the elaborate nature of the shows? Or is that just kind of uh, how you'd prefer to do it? Like it's this should be something that's special, not something that's just churned out one weekend after another.
2: Yeah, it's 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 kind of a combination of both and it's also uh, yeah, it's 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 strategical in that um yeah, we don't want to burn out the audience. And it's also it's like it's something that once if it gets to a point where we are playing regularly on the road um I don't know. I mean, I definitely I'd 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 been at a place in my past where it was like you're playing Uh, every week and that's how a lot of the ways I was um, making a living but I think I also got lucky in that I was finding other ways um, to make a living through like freelance production and songwriting and whatever else that I didn't need to play
0: Mm -hmm. every week yeah Going back to genre here, the music that you perform live, the music on your albums, um, it, you know, it also has this almost maniacal offbeat style that, as I said before, it doesn't land in any particular genre. How would you describe uh, the music that you write and record? I mean, outside of the comedy stuff.
2: Yeah, man, it's, it's another uh, tricky question. I just feel like since the beginning <laughs> of time, I've always had this issue with... Um, identifying what it is I do exactly in this comedy stuff has just made it even more confusing. (laughs) But, um, I I think my, my go-to is, um, alternative music. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little tricky because I feel like when that phrase came on the scene, it was given to bands like, uh, Nirvana and Primus and the Red Hot Chili Peppers Mm -hmm. who were an alternative to what you were hearing on the radio, which was a lot of like Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. Um, but then, somewhere in the 90s, alternative just kind of became adopted as, um, you know, your stereotypical 90s rock. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of where I have some trouble there, where I, th- I think uh, the original meaning of the term is pretty true to what we're doing, in that, like, it's an alternative to whatever you're hearing on the radio or the mainstream. Um, but I do think that the the um, preconceived idea of what alternative music is does kind of go towards that nineties, like matchbox 20 Goo, Goo dolls sound or whatever. Right, right. Um, but I mean, it just to get I, I've, psychedelic rock is another one we've thrown around indie rock. Ah, yep. And you know, there's all these kind of vague, but there's, I've never really landed on anything. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's, that's what this is.
0: How did you land on the uh, xylophone as a lead instrument?
2: Nice. Yeah. That's actually kind of an interesting uh, journey there. Um, so when it, when it finally came time to kind of assemble my band, um, uh, my, the, the first iteration of the band was uh, myself on guitar, a bass player, a drummer, and a percussionist. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of a weird, it, uh, I wasn't writing a lot of music that needed percussion. Yeah. Yeah. But he was the, the guy that kind of filled that role initially, was just someone who was available and interested in playing. And it was like, just kind of see what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it really added a lot. And, you know, like it, there was like some conga stuff and um, just other like auxiliary percussion tambourines and stuff. And it, it was nice, but I really was wishing there was more of like a melodic element there. Yeah. And when I learned that he had also played xylophone in school, I was like, oh, we got to get the, the xylophone in here. <laughs> and uh, th- that person in particular um, wasn't in the band for uh, that long, mainly because he wasn't that interested in playing xylophone. That wasn't like his primary instrument. But I did realize how much um, I liked having that. And like, I, I just, there's just not many rock bands that uh, have a featured xylophonist. No. And um, around that time, I have a, I have a younger brother. Um he was just graduating high school and he was taking percussion in in school and was he'd played piano his whole life and he'd you know done xylophone as the percussion focus that he did in school mm-hmm. and um my little brother ended up joining the band at first it was him just coming up and playing songs on xylophone that uh the the few songs that I had started writing with xylophone mm-hmm. uh, as a focal point but over time it, it we kind of gave him a a larger and larger role and now he's you know one of the featured members of the group and it's one of my favorite parts of the band
0: well, one of the things I wanted to do when I reached out to you is see if I could uh, twist your arm into performing a couple of songs live here on the show. Um, do you want to start with something from one of your albums uh, and perform that for us here? Or do you maybe we could uh, we could I mean, we could do save the because uh, I got to hear either Bongino or Boat Parade later in the show. Yeah, but in the okay, meantime, cool. maybe we start with one of your uh, songs from one of the albums or maybe something you're working on. It's completely up to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um I'll play you a song sometimes. This okay. song is, uh, seemed to do really well on uh, on Spotify.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. This um, is uh, number one right now on Spotify on your, uh, on... on your page. Yeah,
2: Number one on the charts. Yep. Number one on iTunes. Um... Swingin'
1: for the fences, hanging from the moon. I cut my tongue on the rust of a silver spoon. I bet my belly bottom dollar on a hopeless case And now the devil on my shoulder has a knife in my face Sometimes the Jordan of the stick is the sharpest Sometimes the only road to take is the darkest And sometimes all you gotta say is that it make it go away Sometimes the only way out is as a carcass You're no hero to this story, you're just another wretched pawn. New body stickers to the sideshow and then slept through the alarm. Sometimes, shorter than the stick is the sharpest. Sometimes, the only road to take is the darkest. And sometimes, all you gotta say is that and make it go away. Sometimes, the only way out is as a carcass. Sometimes, the shorter than the stick is the sharpest. Sometimes the-
0: <laughs> Nick go amazing. Oh, God, I love that song. That is the title track, Sometimes, from your album of the same name from 2019. That's also available on all the different digital music platforms, right?
2: Yep. And I do have uh, physical copies for sale on Bandcamp, nicklutzko.bandcamp.com.
0: When did you first start uh, recording music and, and writing music professionally? Um, it wasn't too long ago, was it?
2: Yeah. Um, well, okay, I went to MTSU for commercial songwriting. I graduated mm-hmm. there in 2012. And, um, I spent the next few years kind of just traveling around and playing acoustic shows and mainly playing for tips and kind of saving up that money to get some recording equipment to record, um, an album. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I put out two albums, uh, one in 2013, another in 2015. And I guess it was 2016, late 2016 when I, when I, uh. Got my first job writing for Super Deluxe. I did. Um, it was uh, emo Trump tweets. It was. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's actually not to just give this really long story, but um, <laughs> I was uh, a big fan of Vic Berger at Super Deluxe, mm-hmm. and um, him and Tim Heidecker were doing an election special for the RNC and the DNC. Yeah. And um, I was kind of following their coverage, and I recorded like this fifteen second little jingle. That that I unsolicited tweeted at them and said, "Hey, don't know if you guys need a theme song, but here it is." Wow. And uh, they both loved it, and um, they ended up actually making it the official theme song for that those election specials. And um, from there, I kind of S- Super Deluxe was producing it, so I kind of um, had some correspondence with them to make sure that they had the permission to use it and whatever else. And I just was like, "Hey, I'm trying to do this for a living." <laughs> <laughs> not, not super successful, you know. I've, I've yeah. been. You know, it's not that I wasn't making money. It's just every cent that I made was going back into investing, into turning it into something that was sustainable. And um, the, uh, my producer at Super Deluxe, uh, we kind of had an ongoing conversation for a few months, and then he finally pitched me on the idea. I was like, "Yeah, uh, Trump's tweets have been especially emo today. I don't know if you can <laughs> set, you can make a song out of his tweets from the last yeah. however many hours it had been." And I felt like I had so much to prove that I, like, didn't go to sleep that night. I just, like, I, I recorded it. I probably sent them a finished product within, like, eight hours.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And um, they posted it and did really well, and that was just kind of the beginning. It, uh, Super Luck shut down in, I think, October of 2018. That was the beginning of a two-year um, uh, partnership where I was uh, doing, I think by the end I was doing two songs a month for them, and uh, the, the most successful thing I did for them was... Uh, Alex Jones is an indie folk song.
0: Oh yes, that's Um, right. I've seen that one too. That's so great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thanks. And that, so that, that was, um, a really cool experience, but it was, it was this weird thing where it was, it was really my, my day job. It wasn't what I was, you know, I was, I was still pushing the album work and I was doing this comedy work, but I didn't really feel like a comedian because I, this thing, this weird job had just kind of fallen into my lap and, um, I kind of felt like I hadn't earned it because it wasn't something that I had been pursuing.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask you about that. I mean, how did you end up uh, landing on comedy? Was that an aspiration of yours at any point? I mean, you were saying you were doing like puppet show videos in your college dorm and stuff like that, but did you have uh, some sort of ambition to eventually do uh, song parodies and comedy like that?
2: Yeah. I've always loved it and I've always been such a fan, but I, and like, I mean, in, in school, I kind of was like naturally, you know, like I've, I, I, I'm not going to say I don't think that I'm not a funny person, but I've never, I never had the confidence to, I, it's just, I think it's mainly because music has always been such, so obviously my number one Yeah. thing that it was like, it was always this kind of thing that was like, you know, I think maybe I could be good at it, but um, yeah, I yeah. don't know, I, it's, it almost felt unearned or something. Like, I, it's kind of a weird thing to... It, it, this, I kind of touched on it earlier, but that, the the Chrissy Teigen song, I think was, um, I, this is so stupid, but I kind of, (laughs) I've considered it my, like, coming out as a comedian moment. Mm, Right. It's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, like, commit to this and quit kind of dancing around, like, you know, these confidence issues I have with, like, uh putting something out like under my name that isn't a job for someone else.
0: Well, that's what's so crazy, Nick, is because you come off as eminently confident. I think that's one of the reasons why your comedy lands so well, as well as your album-oriented music. There's a swagger about it. There's something that where you own what you're doing. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been working in cartoons, and in fact, you and I both did work for College Humor. I don't know if it was at the same time, but I was doing oh, cartoons cool. yeah. for them. It's almost impossible to find that magic formula of what goes viral and what doesn't. And But I found that maybe part of it is just owning what you're doing. You can always tell if someone's hesitating a little bit when they're putting out something out into the world that's supposed to be funny it seems like you just don't give a shit whether it's well-received or not. And maybe that's why it goes viral. That's maybe why it's so successful. Have you been able to put your finger on exactly what it is about the more uh, comedic-oriented songs that you do that uh, seem to make them go crazy like that online?
2: I I really have no idea. And I think what you just touched on probably is pretty valid. Um, If I had to chalk it up to anything, I've kind of felt that, Musical comedy, in a lot of ways, I feel like typically um, the music only needs to be good enough to get the joke across. Yeah. And I feel like a a lot of times you have people who are comedians first and foremost and musicians second.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I'm sure that's not the case all the time, but that's just something that I feel like, you know, in like sketch comedy shows, that's usually the case. And I feel like I come from the reverse where music you know songwriting production performing that is my world and um i think i treat the the writing and the production of the music just as seriously as i would my album work mm-hmm. and i think that is something that kind of takes people off guard it's like wow why does this song this about gremlins like <laughs> which sounds is also mainstream. a good one like, yeah, yeah. who who put who who would think to put this much work into something so dumb? And I think that's kind of yeah. another part of it. It's like it's like, okay, there's obviously some talent here, but the, the narrator of this song is just so unhinged and uh, (laughs) like clueless. that The two things, the dichotomy, the two things I think people really enjoy.
0: Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Nick Lutzko here in just a second. But did you know the average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score and still have no idea how to get them? Well, ScoreMaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. Forget raising your score just a few points. The average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. And if you've gone a credit score before applying for a home loan and raised your score just the average Sixty-one points our listeners get. You could have saved almost a hundred grand on the life of your loan. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your finances, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Visit ScoreMaster.com/offer. ScoreMaster.com/offer. And with so many changes going on in the world nowadays, it feels like every day there's something new. But there's one thing that you can count on: it's that looking good makes you feel great, and we could all use a little bit. Of that these days. And if you have under eye bags, dark circles, or crow's feet, imagine that they're gone without making an appointment or leaving the house. It's called Plexiderm. That's what we're talking about. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly reduces the signs of aging in 10 minutes and lasts up to 10 hours. Add some confidence in your life knowing you look your best, even if you're having a makeup-free day. Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody's going to know that you're using it. And that's, in fact, why guys like it. And Plexiderm works great with oil-free makeup. Today, you could try a six-day application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com dot com slash voices or call 1-800-685-1292 and give the code voices. Order today, shipping is free, and it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com voices or call 1-800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES at checkout. Thank you. The
1: Bob Seska Show.
0: So I, I want to get into this now because I've been playing the Dan Bongino song and w- completely without your permission, <laughs> I've been playing the Dan <laughs> no, Bongino good. song and the Boat Parade song, giving you full credit, of course, obviously, uh, <laughs> on my podcast podcast over and over again everyone loves this my girlfriend Kimberly Johnson also does a podcast she thinks boat parade is the funniest goddamn thing she has ever ever seen in her entire life and it's the yelling at the end it's the screaming i've i've been referring to especially these two videos as being aggressive mockery i don't know if that's at all accurate i don't know if that was your intention to aggressively mock uh, people like dan bongino or these boat parades but let's start with bongino i mean how did that idea form in your head and is aggressive mockery at all in the ballpark of what you're trying to do.
2: Yeah. I think that hits the nail on the head and it, at least in some kind of subconscious Mm -hmm. way, I think. Um, so, so as I've kind of touched on these, these songs I've been doing, it's basically like my typical work week. It's like, okay, say this week I'm working on a college humor, uh, video. Mm -hmm. And next week I have a Netflix video. And if I have one day, in between, like a Friday open. It's like, that's the day I'm going to sit down and write and record and shoot a video and upload it. I want to do it all in that one day yeah. free that I have. And that's exactly what happened with the RNC. It's just, I woke up that morning. I didn't have a job uh, due immediately. And mm-hmm. um, I just got online and I saw like the, the RNC was starting that week. And it was like, okay, I guess I'm writing a song about the RNC. <laughs> and um see
0: that's what i mean that's like the effortless place that it comes from it's not like you're necessarily slaving over this like hmm and and you've got uh you know you got a whiteboard up there and you're kind of charting out how to go with this creating an outline it seems like it was just like oh rnc let's do that
2: yeah and Mm. i mean that that is the true difference between this comedy stuff and my album work because the album stuff is like truly Mm -hmm. um like, I do slave over it for probably, yeah. and like, I think I've learned that, like, it's not necessarily to the song's benefit, like, because I've realized how strongly people react to these things that I throw together in sometimes hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, start, I started writing the, the r and song specifically, and I those first few lines were just so, I want to be at the r and <laughs> and it's like, I'm looking at the list of people who are going to be like, okay, McCloskey, we <laughs> just learned about them two minutes ago, but I'll throw that That's in right, there. Yeah. And then it got to the, I want to sit with, and it was like, okay, who am I going to put in this song? And it was like, I don't know how I landed on Dan Bongino, But it's just like, his name is just so fun to sing that it was just yeah. like, as soon as I came up with it, I was like, there's not really a real point here. But yeah, that's what I'm going
0: with. Oh, and he's perfect to include. That was, you <laughs> landed on exactly the right person because he's very easy to rankle, by the way. Has, has, he, blo- right, yeah. has he has he blocked you yet? <laughs> he
2: hasn't. It? That's actually wow. it's a little disappointing. He hasn't so much as even acknowledged it. Although, <laughs> there has definitely been some sketchiness um, the the tweet was flagged as sensitive material like oh in it's God. peak viral moment i felt like as it was just kind of really picking up steam it, it like got blocked and if you're already following me and you're already engaged you can't see it but if you were to go on my page through a new twitter account it kind of like ha- it's like blurred out and it's like you have to click to approve the sensitive material and there's nothing inappropriate about that, no. that video um, I'm convinced that there was like some kind of right wing troll farm that like mass flagged it or something Yeah. To make that happen, and that's <laughs> the closest look- I've gotten to any kind of recognition from him or his people. I, well, presume.
0: I love how you're not trying to make some sort of sophisticated argument against all this crap. You're almost hitting like Dan Bongino and Trump's like raging id with your own raging id, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Am I reading too much into it?
2: <laughs> no, I think that's that's my favorite part about that song in particular. Is like it's so obviously like topical. Like it yeah. was the like I wake up writing a song about the RNC, but then when you listen to it, it's like not it's not about the RNC and it's not at the same time. Like it's about this crazy guy who idolizes Dan Bongino in the RNC, but he doesn't really even understand it or get what, like he doesn't, he, he respects the flag so much, but he doesn't even recognize how you're supposed to like recognize the flag or what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he has this man under his like nothing makes sense (laughs) about it, but I think you kind of, yeah, you, you nailed it in that, like, there's something about this guy's blind, uh angry enthusiasm that is just in sync with mm-hmm. Trump supporters. Like, and, um, yeah, it works in, like, a very abstract way, yeah. I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you ever hear from uh Trump supporters who mistake the videos for being pro-Bongino? I mean, it seems like right at the beginning, I think one, that's one of the reasons it works so well, is right at the beginning you're not quite sure whether you're actually for real or not. And that's kind of the best satire. When you're yeah. initially unaware that it's satire, and then, oh, and then it starts to evolve, and there's the man in the stairs. That's when you realize, oh, shit, this is not what I thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I think, it, uh, slightly unrelated to your, your question, but one thing that was so perfect and the reason that thing did so well is... I released it. I wasn't even aware it was happening, but I released it at the same time that Donald Trump Jr. was giving his speech. And, like, if you play the script, like, his face was red and sweaty. Like it, it was, like, it was the same energy. And that was the meat. It was like, oh, my God, how did this just... It's like this guy just saw into the future and saw Donald Trump's speech and, like, simultaneously released this song. Like, it was this weird, like, supernatural coincidence that happened there that was pretty amazing. But... um. <laughs> I've, I've run into that a lot where especially the Alex Jones song that I did for Super Deluxe was mm-hmm. the worst example of his fans just totally co-opted that song and he, he himself played it on his show and he had a freaking competition of he put, he had like a $20,000 competition to see who could do the best cover of it. And like, it's blatantly mocking him, but somehow his fans just (laughs) love it. That's
0: great. That is perfect. That is a huge victory for you. (laughs) You were able to infiltrate in a way that they had no idea. I mean, maybe, maybe Alex Jones knows, or maybe one of his producers know. I mean, I've had interactions with those people and you can always kind of hear a little bit of a snicker behind the scenes. Like, yeah. I don't know if we take all of this seriously, what he's saying out there on stage. <laughs> it just doesn't well, make he, any sense.
2: He, he tried to go on his show and say something insane, like, I have intel. Uh, we know, uh, we have intel that we have fans at Super Deluxe, and they, 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 they sold this to the higher-ups at Super Deluxe under the guise of mocking uh, me, but really, they're fans of mine, and they know that this song is going to red pill millions of Americans. <laughs> and, like, he has this whole story of how this song was some elaborate attempt to, uh, in his terms, red pill.
0: Oh, that's so Uh, great. So you're actually now part of the globalist conspiracy, Nick.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) On his side, apparently. (laughs) That's right.
0: So I got to ask you, you mentioned the sweating. Is the profuse sweating real? Is that intentional or is that just part of the anger of the character you're playing?
2: It's definitely uh, not real. I don't know if I'm (laughs) quite ready to... Um, reveal all my secrets okay, in that, in that okay. realm. I feel like there's probably going to be a great reveal at some point, but I definitely have a method to get myself to where I am yeah. in these videos. Yeah, I don't naturally just... Uh, um, <laughs> just break down. out
0: and profuse... like have yeah, a visi- yeah. You don't have a visible layer of slime on you at all times. Right, <laughs> yes, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The thing that is so great, it's about the end of the Bongino video, but especially the end of the boat parade video, at the end of those videos, you look like I feel most days following <laughs> this. I mean, I gotta cover this shit up close. So I'm just my face yeah. pressed against computer screen twenty four seven and just ingesting the madness, just sticking my face in the plasma that's zipping through my living room every day. Uh, and so I feel like that. I feel like that character. When your mouth starts bleeding. Because you're screaming Boat Parade so loudly. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I I have so been there. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people can say that, but yeah, I have been there. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Was Boat Parade another one of those like one-day projects or did it take a, an extended period of time to put all that together? Because you did a lot of exterior work in there too. Huh?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, all of these songs that I've just started writing for Twitter over the last few months, they probably have a little bit of... of improvisational quality just because like part of um, the limitations that I put upon myself is it's kind of like I'm wanting to learn to trust my instincts more and just kind of go with the first idea and just like do it. Mm-hmm. I got touched on this earlier, but like I've really – like a lot of songs on that record, Swords, were probably three years of just toiling. and wow. A lot of stuff that probably didn't need to – and just learning to trust like my first – like. It's kind of funny because with the RNC song, it's like this melody. It just started with the melody. I want to be da da da. And my first instinct was like, this is too simple. It's so silly. People are like, I had no idea. I really truly did not believe that anyone would. I I was like, this is going to be my first dud since I started doing that stuff. (laughs) And, And every time I kind of like really commit and just go with those first guttural instincts, I. Keep, you know, people react to it well. So I'm just like telling myself, you know, uh, lean into it.
0: Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah. But but yeah. I, I also to answer your question, uh, I I do a lot of these songs. Um, some of them I've done like in the course of like an eight-hour day. Uh, the boat parade one, I think I did start on like l- late one evening. <laughs> And I basically got the song mapped out and then I went and shot all of the exterior stuff like the next morning and then I had the song posted by like um, the next afternoon. So they, they all usually kind of exist within this 24-hour period of writing to recording to shooting the video to posting.
0: So I'd love to hear a live version of one of these two songs, but I don't want to specifically ask for boat parade because you probably have work to do for the rest of the day that you might need your voice (laughs) for. And I imagine doing that last section of boat parade uh, I don't know if you were able to actually speak for like 24 hours <laughs> after yeah. you were done recording that but uh, take your pick if you want to do one of these songs uh, it's your choice as to which one to me they're just equally hilarious so I I'm nice. I'm all for either one of them
2: well I'm gonna do RNC okay great um, I didn't prepare a boat parade <laughs> um, and you're right it probably would murder my voice anyways. Yeah. but um, <laughs>
0: okay, here we go.
2: You got the exclusive here, man. This is the first time I've ever performed this song in any real oh, man. capacity. A lot of times so I write, great. I record, and then it's done. It's, you know, Beautiful. There's no reason. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm playing the clubs these days. <laughs> okay. I want to be happy the RMC. I want to
1: see Patricia McCloskey. I want to scream for the GOP. I want to sit with Dan Bongino. I want to show the American flag behind the toilet in Grandma's basement I want to ask him if it will be my dad I want to change my name again Bongino I want to tell him about the man in the stairs He kind of looks like Dan Bongino Grandma tries to tell me not to go down there But I would be saying with are Dan Bongino I want to be at the, water in the sea. I want to be like Dan Bongino I want to be I want to
0: be like Dan Bongino All right. Oh, that is uh, just so great. And, you know, again, for me, I've had many run-ins with Dan Bongino on Twitter. One of the things he loves to do is he loves to troll you, then block you, and then continue to attack you after you've been blocked. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> So just anything that uh, kind of sticks it to him, I'm all in favor of. And this is just really great. I mean, do you ever listen to one of these songs and scare yourself? I mean, do you ever go, holy shit, what is going on in my brain right now? And do I need to get outside more?
1: Yeah, yeah, every day.
0: (laughs) I got to ask you, too. Did Spirit Halloween really deposit money in your Venmo?
2: Yeah, they did. They really did.
0: Oh, my God. Can I ask how much they put in your Venmo? Was it a thousand dollars for a hundred retweets?
2: So it, it was not the specific amount that I requested, and I, I usually would be happy to share the amount with you. But I did. I just had the Spirit, or sorry, I had the New York Times reach out about that song. And oh my they God! Also asked for the specific amount, and I reached out to Spirit just to make sure they were cool with it. And they specifically requested that I do not reveal the amount <laughs> that I was paid. So okay,
0: fair enough. Keep, fair enough.
2: To keep the gods at Spirit hap- Halloween happy.
0: Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, you actually did a service for them, and uh, until yeah. because until I watched your video, I thought it was called Halloween Spirit. I had no idea that it oh, was okay. actually Spirit Halloween. Because Spirit yeah. Halloween is kind of like saying Christmas Merry or Birthday right, Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just right, seems yeah. it seems backwards. Uh,
2: well. If you guys promise to keep it a secret, as I know the internet often does, <laughs> uh, I will give the exclusive to your listeners that the Spirit Halloween saga is not completed.
0: Oh, and man. There
2: is more to come. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah. See, that was another one, too, where it took this turn toward the end that was so perfect, where you're, it goes from <laughs> being just this thing about Spirit Halloween and the fact that yeah. they've got yeah. ghouls and skeletons into a, a, just a straight-on attack against Jeff Bezos, which is just <laughs> Jeff Bezos killed all of these retail uh, stores right. and now uh, opened them up for Spirit Halloween. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's a perfect statement. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you too, are your parents still around and do they follow your career or do they maintain a safe yeah. distance from from yeah, Twitter no, or what?
2: I live in the same hometown of my parents. Oh great. And um yeah, they're great. They've been they've been really supportive. Um, yeah, I mean they're definitely it's actually very funny because my mom, every new video, um I don't know if you've seen the one about baby blood. That one is probably uh, oh yes, the most yes. Set she got. Yeah, mm. she was uh, she was not into that. And, she was like, what? and uh, especially when I started doing the real sweaty, she was like, "What are you doing? You're alienating all of your fans and blah blah blah." But she sees them do well, and she's kind of gotten the point. She's like, "I'm done." She's like, "You kind of seem like you know what you're doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop critiquing these." And now it's been a while since she's uh she's always been so supportive of everything I do, and she's awesome. Even even if at first she's somewhat uh um,
0: doesn't get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know coming from cartoons. I know exactly how that is. I think my first big viral cartoon had the word cocksucker in it. So I was just like, Hey, Hey mom, (laughs) look at this cartoon. It's, it's going crazy on the internet and no, no. Why did you, why did you do this to me, Bob? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, uh, what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? What's going on? What, uh, you mentioned you've got, Maybe some more uh, with Spirit Halloween, but anything else going on?
2: Yeah, that's the that's the big thing. Um, I yeah, I'm I'm staying busy. I got a couple jobs. I'm juggling with um, Netflix and Netflix Junior yep. right now. Um, got a couple freelance things I'm doing with College Humor. Um, I think that's I think that's all I can talk about right now. <laughs> okay, um, gotcha. But I, I really, man, it's I've I've enjoyed making these songs. So much that I really just am working towards those off days where I can dedicate just to making these weird songs and just like, yeah, really exercising these weird demons that like, you know, just sitting down and like, I don't know how gremlins ended up being (laughs) the topic of my life, you know, but like, it's like you sit down and it's the first thing to come to mind. It's like, all right, this is what we're doing today. And,
0: well, I swear to God, it is so cathartic. I, as I said before, I absorb this stuff osmotically throughout all day, all day, every day. I'm on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the uh, political blogosphere, and there's lots right. of bullshit comedy out there that just doesn't work. It just doesn't land. But every single thing that you have done has made me laugh out loud repeatedly. Uh, you know, And I know, speaking for my listeners, everyone's walking around singing Boat Parade. That's the thing that I... I, I hear That's most awesome. often. This is like, oh, Bob, great. I can't stop singing Boat Parade, and thank you for it. Thank you, thank you for great. playing Nick's music. So please keep up the amazing work, uh, Nick. You're it's invaluable. It's absolutely cathartic to have this around, uh, especially right now, that's great. Uh, with all the stress and and uh, just this ongoing low frequency mayhem that we're all kind of <laughs> absorbing. Uh, the right. website is uh, NickLutzko.com. The latest album is called Swords, available on Spotify and everywhere you get your digital music. Uh, links in the description, by the way. And the Twitter account is at NickLutzko, that's L-U-T-S-K-O. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for performing these live songs for us, and uh, I can't wait for the next song to drop.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bob. it has been awesome.
0: Okay, thanks, my friend. Take care.
2: All right, you too. Bye-bye. Boat Parade,
1: Boat Parade Looking for directions to the Boat Parade Gonna get a sunburn standing out here all day Trying to get a ticket to the Boat Parade I appreciate it. The floaters are gone. Boat parade, boat parade. Gonna meet a lady at the boat parade. Forgot my shoes at home and now my feet are turning gray. Mission Grandma's birthday they the boat parade. Boat parade, 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 boat parade. And I just wish I had. On one of those boats, and I'd be carrying a flag. Also, it looks like you're having a good time, and the whole world is watching. Boat parade, 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 boat parade,
0: With so many changes going on in the world Nowadays it feels like every day there's something New but there's one thing that you can count On it's that looking good often Makes you feel really good too and we Could all use just a little bit more of that if you Have under eye bags dark circles or crow's Feet imagine that those things are gone Vanished without making an appointment with a Plastic surgeon or leaving the house it's called plexiderm, a clinically studied serum That visibly reduces the signs of aging In just 10 minutes and lasts Up to 10 hours add some Confidence in your life knowing you look your best even if you're having a makeup free day plexiderm goes on clear so nobody's gonna know that you're using it unless you tell them and that's why guys like it too and plexiderm works great with oil-free makeup today you can try a six-day application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit www.buyplx.com voices or call 800-685-1292 and give the code Voices. Order today, shipping is free and it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com/voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code Voices at checkout. Thank you.
1: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off